Welcome to Full Tank with Phil, the first ever podcast about gambling on NASCAR. If you joined us last season, welcome back. And if this is the first time you gave us a look, I appreciate you finding us. What we do here, it's pretty simple. We're going to take a look at the race that's happening this upcoming weekend, and we're going to talk about the money line picks. We're going to talk about head-to-heads, any prop bets, any news and notes going on in NASCAR. We'll rant about it at the end. It's all good stuff, and we get to start off the 2020 season with what we call the Super Bowl of the sport. It's the Daytona 500, baby. It's here, the, the off-season in NASCAR. It's one of the shortest, actually, in professional sports. But as a fan, as a gambler who was doing well last season, it feels like it's the longest time ever. And to have cars on the racetrack last weekend felt so good. We got to see the practice for both the Daytona 500 qualifying and the Clash, which we'll talk about both of those in just a second. But feels good. Daytona finally here, and we finally have some of the lines coming out. It gets the juices flowing. So what we're going to do in this particular podcast, we're going to talk about what we saw last weekend a little bit and talk about the strategy for this upcoming week. And then we'll dive right into the picks. Who do we like to win the race? Money line, based on the odds. Then most people's favorite section is the head-to-heads. I got some head-to-head options picked out for certain reasons and may throw them into a parlay. I've got that queued up. Then for the Daytona 500, we're actually seeing some more bets than we've ever seen before. Some prop bets are out there. We'll talk about those towards the end. So very excited to get into all of this with you today. So let's start out by talking about strategy and the way to bet on the race because each race I I typically start off with this decision. Do I want to look at the favorites and and bet most of my money on one or maybe two guys or do I want to spread my money out on some of the underdog picks and try to cash in and hit for larger sums? That's usually where I start each week. At Daytona and for the most part Talladega, that strategy goes completely out the window. Why? Because at Daytona, absolutely anybody that can stay with the draft has a chance to win. So the favorites are actually going off at plus 1,000 right now. And, you know, on a normal week, the favorites usually around like plus 275, plus 300. So, you know, betting on those guys isn't really worth the bang for your buck. At Daytona, anything can happen. So really, it's the, the hardest track to try to pick a winner at but it's the most fun because if even if you take the guys who are listed as the favorites you're still cashing in a a pretty big ticket so normal strategy goes completely out the window here and just makes it all the more fun so we got to see a little bit of a preview of the 500 last weekend because first we saw qualifying ricky stenhouse jr uh, claimed the pole and alex bowman's going to start on the front row with him qualifying at Daytona, you're going to ask, you know, do you put too much stock in that? My answer is no. And I have a couple of reasons why. The the speeds that you're seeing in qualifying at Daytona are nothing like what the cars are going to be like in the actual draft and the packs. The, the single car runs around the track. I mean, if there was a gust of wind that happened to come by at that point, if you saw headwind, then you were impacted a pretty big deal. And if you had some tailwind, you were 
you know, slingshotted forward. So to see some cars that you may have anticipated being faster um, take a little bit of a, a, a drop in the qualifying standings really isn't that big of a deal to me because we're not seeing any real representation of the race. On top of that, if you look at the history of Daytona qualifying, we haven't had a Daytona 500 winner start on the front row since the year 2000 with Dale Jarrett. So to me, not really that big of a deal. It's fun because it's one of the first times you're getting to see any real racing of, of any real coverage of the racetrack. So uh, it's it's a fun kind of event and the pageantry is there. But as far as gambling is concerned, I'm not putting too much stock in, in Ricky Stenhouse and Alex Bowman being on the front row this coming weekend at Daytona. Plus, we're going to have the rest of the field set with the duels coming up on Thursday. So, you know, that's when you'll really have a, a good sense of how these cars can handle because they'll be with a, a larger pack uh, rather than just a single car run. We did get to see a little bit of how the drivers are doing at Daytona with the Clash. Now, the Clash is an exhibition race for anyone who won a race in 2019 or won a pole in 2019. And there was about 18 guys, I believe, that were in that race. It was pure chaos. I mean, it was a demolition derby. Only six drivers finished the race. Everyone else wrecked out. And the guys who finished the race, their cars were beat to hell as well. I mean, Eric Jones won the race, and the picture of his car was just comical, how beat up it was um, because of all the wrecks. And, you know, you could take what you want of that. There are a lot of people debating whether or not it was a good race or not. If anything, it was entertaining because there were wrecks galore. Not sure if it's just the guys kind of shaking the rust off, making silly decisions. Um, we had a few guys mad at each other, which is what you want to see as a fan. You want to see some drama of some sorts. Um, you know, a clean race at a racetrack like that isn't fun, in my opinion. But, uh, you know, we'll see if that's any indication on how the 500 will be. Uh, interesting to see that. Now, talking about the clash, we mentioned how qualifying goes for, you know, people who do well in the qualifying, translating that into success at the 500. Well, the clash, we've only had two times since the year 2000 where someone won the clash and also won the 500. It was Dale Jarrett again in 2000 and also Denny Hamlin in 2016. So the clash if you're a golf fan, this is kind of like the par three contest at the Masters. There's never been anybody who won that and also went in to win the Masters that year. Uh, kind of similar to that, you know, I'm not really putting too much stock in Eric Jones winning on Sunday if uh, we want to try to tie it back into the gambling aspect. That's not making me say, oh, I'm throwing a bunch of money on, on Eric Jones in the 20 car. Not so much. But enough about last weekend. Let's turn our attention to what's coming up this weekend and the Daytona 500 because the odds are out. And like I said, the favorites are going off at plus 1,000 right now. The, the two favorites are Kyle Busch and Denny Hamlin. And then we have a bunch of guys at plus 1,100, plus 1,200. Um, so let's talk about the guys who I like. I try to use history and statistics and sometimes gut feel into making these picks. I have more fun if you, know, you have a set amount of money, right, that you want to spend on a race weekend. I have more fun kind of spreading my money out on different guys rather than just loading up on one guy um, and try to cash one big ticket. I have more fun, especially at a race like Daytona where your guy could be cruising along and then boom, taken out in an instance. So 
that's uh, how we're going to play it this week. And I'm going to talk about four guys who I'm going to be looking hard at throwing some money down. And they range all over the place as far as the odds. Because I feel like there's huge opportunity for the gambler at Daytona to really cash a big ticket. So let's start with my first guy that I have on my list here. Because he's going off at plus 4,000. Okay, that's ridiculous. And it's Austin Dillon, the three car. He won this race in 2018. His stats here, I like looking at the last 10 races. There's some sites out there that give you, you know, history from all races, and then they let you narrow it in on the last 10 because I feel like that is more specific to what we're trying to do as, as gamblers. Um, what somebody did in 2002 really doesn't help me out trying to make an educated decision here. So he won in 2018. His last 10 races, he's had one win, one top five, and five top tens. But a big stat that I look for at a racetrack like Daytona is lead lap finishes. I mentioned how the Clash only had five or six guys finish the race. Um, nobody else finished like a lap down. Everybody else just wrecked out. So to be able to keep the car clean at a huge racetrack like this is a big indicator of someone who knows how to get around the track. Austin, 60% of the time, he's finished on the lead lap, six out of 10. So when you may hear that and say, wow, that's really not that good. But in the scheme of things, when you're looking at everybody else, it's actually pretty good because uh, that's how hard it is to, to do here. He's fifth best average finish out of everyone active right now at Daytona. So that tells you that Austin is good here. And when you're just focusing, and, and by the way, that average finish is 15.1. But this is something that I really like about Austin, and that's when the lights shine bright, when everybody's looking at NASCAR, and that's the Daytona 500. Some people may turtle up. Austin Dillon actually rises to the occasion because in five Daytona 500s, his average finish is 11.8. So I said a second ago, he's already got a pretty good average finish compared to the rest of the guys, which is 15.1. At the 500, he even goes up to 11.8. Love that, all right? That tells me that he knows what he's doing and he doesn't turtle. He rises to the occasion. He finished second in the clash. He was in it on Sunday. So made it through all the, the chaos and, and finished second. Made a push there at the end. This is one of his best racetracks. And, and I like focusing on guys who do their best at a certain racetrack. And the combination of that, knowing that Austin doesn't shy away from the pressure here at Daytona and add that to the fact that he's going off at plus 4,000. I have to throw something on him. I know that this is one of his favorite tracks. If he was going off at like, you know, towards the top of this list, plus 1,200, plus 1,500, I may be like, oh, okay, maybe not worth my, my time. Plus 4,000. I mean, that's ridiculous for someone who has these stats. So, Mark me down for Austin Dillon and the three car going off at plus 4,000. I love that. Another guy, a little bit more of a long shot as well, Ryan Newman. Okay, I typically don't like Ryan Newman. Yeah, he he kind of rubs me the wrong way, but plus 3,500 is what he's going off at. Now, in his last 10 races, no wins, two top fives, five top tens, and eight lead lap finishes. He leads everybody in that category that's active this weekend. Eight out of ten times he's finished on the lead lap. So, again, knows how to make it through the chaos and finish the race. Because at Daytona, if you're finishing the race, if you're on the lead lap in that pack at the end of this race, you have a shot. 
I mean, it, that's what it comes down to. You can make a run on that last lap and, and surprise everybody. So throwing that in there. Now let's look at Lifetime. He's won the 500, you know, way back 2008 with Penske driving the 12 car. He's second in average finish in the last 10 races, and he finished fifth on Sunday in the class. So very similar to Austin, what we were saying there, previous winner, knows how to keep the car clean, did well on Sunday, had a little practice, you know, with the clash, and kept the car out of the wall. So I like Newman, again, for pretty much the same reasons that I like Austin. He seems to do well here. The odds look really good to cash in a big ticket. So mark me down for Ryan Newman in the six car, plus 3,500. Now we're going to go back up to the top, and I'm going to choose one of the favorites because why the hell not? I mean, you're still cashing him in at plus 1,000 right now. That's Denny Hamlin. I love Denny Hamlin at this racetrack. He won here last year, won here in 2016. Obviously, I mentioned his clash win. He just seems to get Daytona. In his last 10 races, he's got two wins, five top fives and five top tens, six lead lap finishes. I mean, here's the thing about Denny Hamlin. Coming off of the 2019 season, he's got that momentum because a year ago, exactly a year ago, the week before the 2019 Daytona 500, there was a lot of people in the the NASCAR industry, the journalists, the radio people, the TV people, everybody was saying Denny Hamlin may be out of a ride next year. Or, or whenever his contract's up. Because there was Christopher Bell coming up through the Gibbs camp, and Denny Hamlin's the odd man out. Denny Hamlin heard this. It would be impossible not to hear it. Heard it, goes out, wins the Daytona 500. Then, to back it up, he has a phenomenal year and almost wins a championship. Makes it to the Final Four at Homestead. Hamlin is someone that you have to look at here because of just how well he was able to handle everything last year. That 11 camp just has so much momentum uh, and and so much to build off of. So we'll see if he can become a a back-to-back winner and chalk his name down on one of those prestigious titles. But looking at the stats for him, I mean, 5.2 average finish in the 500 in the last five years. That's right. I mean, I mentioned Austin at 11.2. Eight, I'm saying 5.2 in the last five years in the 500. That's ridiculous. I mean, those are those are crazy numbers. So he finished in the clash. His car was completely destroyed. He was in a bunch of different accidents, and he finished sixth. So you got to give it to him. Got to throw something down on him at plus 1,000. So mark me down for the 11 camp, Denny Hamlin. Now, the last guy I'm going to bring up here, I, I love the, the 500. I love Daytona. I love Talladega because I get to pick guys like Austin, like Newman, who I may not talk about really for most of the year. And this guy, you're not really going to hear me talk much about him for the rest of the year. But I'm going to take a, a flyer on a complete and utter long shot. Michael McDowell going off at plus 8,000. Plus 8,000. Now, hear me out on this one. I mean, I'm calling it out right away. This is a, a, a ridiculous bet. But if you're looking at the money line, it's same similar vein to the Austin Dillon bet. Michael McDowell loves this racetrack. He, If you're kind of a, a fringe NASCAR person and you're really just listening to this for the gambling aspect, uh, Michael McDowell, he'll show up to the racetrack every week, and he doesn't necessarily have a chance to win. 
he, he's driving a, a lower level car for a lower level team and you know they're kind of just there going in circles trying to finish in the top 20 that's their goals for the year pretty much um top 15s are, are big deals and top 10s are huge at daytona everything changes for a team like this and michael mcdowell is someone who really likes it here in the last 10 years he's only raced nine times two no wins but two top fives four top tens and he has finished on the lead lap eight of nine times in those races so mcdowell will be there in the end you, you can bet on that it's just whether or not he'll be in position to make a move for the win if you look at every one of his racetracks and, and how his stats match up, Daytona is by far his best track. So something for that. He finished fifth here in the 500 in 2019. So to go off, it's more of, wow, those are decent stats. And you got to love betting on a guy who loves this track. The thing is, plus 8,000 is just a ridiculous number for this type of driver. I mean, it's a guy who could be there. So why not take a, a random bet on them and just, you know, kind of cross your fingers and you, you bet them now and then 500 comes around, last couple laps, you, you perk up and say, holy shit, I've got McDowell at a ridiculous price. So there it is. Now, I did want to talk about something that is kind of just odd to me. Um, he was going off as the head and shoulders favorite for a while and then poll day happened on Sunday and... Now he's going off at plus 1,100. And I'm talking about Chase Elliott in the nine car. Chase is, you know, like any of these guys, these odds are fun to bet on. You still cash a big ticket. But it, to me, doesn't make sense to have Chase up that high. I would expect to see Chase down around plus 2,000, plus 2,500 based on his stats. There is nothing that he has done at Daytona to make you say he's a favorite here. He's going off. Third favorite, okay? So I mentioned Denny and Kyle. Then it's Chase. What has he done at Daytona to earn that? And I'm avoiding him like the plague. I mean, love to see Chase go out and win. I, I would love that. It'd be great for the sport of NASCAR because he's a, the media darling. But it's just inconceivable when you're actually looking at his stats. Now, the thing about it is he's had awesome qualifying days in the past. And he won a dual race in the past. So you see all of this like pre-race stuff and you're like, wow, Chase really has a hand on it. He's won three poles at Daytona. And like I said, he's won a duel. So that kind of skews your, your thought process because you think, you know, if somebody can go out and win a pole, they know what they're doing. But in the actual race, I mean, his average finish is 28. That's ridiculous. And his best finish at Daytona was 14. And that's talking about, you know, he's starting first. That's why I'm saying qualifying really isn't that big of a deal at this racetrack. It just doesn't make sense. Something's not adding up for the odds to be the way they are. I, I think it's just the, the sports book seeing that Elliott is just kind of the, the fan favorite and you know putting him on a pedestal there. But out of all drivers all time, he's 46th out of all drivers in the last 10 races there. That's absurd. I mean, it just really is. He just has bad luck at Daytona. What are you going to say? Um, it, it doesn't make sense to have him that far up, so I would avoid him. So just to go back and kind of summarize the, the picks to win the race on the money line, I like the three in Austin Dillon. I like Newman. I like Michael McDowell and the favorite, Denny Hamlin. Those are the four guys that I'm kind of targeting this weekend. Buggity, buggity, buggity. 
Okay, so let's talk about some head-to-head -head matchups. A lot of people love this because they're not really aware that NASCAR has this ability or the sportsbooks give you the ability to bet on some guys head-to-head -head with bets in NASCAR. So what we're talking about here is the books will pick two guys and they'll put them up against each other. So say Kyle Busch versus Denny Hamlin and you get to choose who will have the better finish. It's as simplistic as that. Some people might be intimidated to pick drivers to win the race because it's so hard to do. But to have one guy that you're choosing beat just one other guy makes it a lot more fun because then you're just tracking those two guys. And even if the guys that you're talking about are further down the pack, you're still having fun because you're watching the ticker and trying to find out where they're at. So I've picked out four different matchups that I'm looking at this weekend and I've got some winners selected. So let's start with battle of some teammates here in the Penske camp. I'm going with Brad Keselowski versus Joey Logano. Now hang with me here as I throw some numbers your way, but Logano's numbers are one win, four top fives, and six top tens in the last 10 races for an average finish of 14.6. Not bad. That's the fourth best average finish out of everybody in the field. Then you're looking at Keselowski. He's got one win as well, but only one top five and one top 10. So that one win is pretty much everything that he has to cling to there with an average finish of 26.8. It's a pretty surprising number when you're talking about somebody of the caliber of Brad Keselowski. I mean, I, I would have definitely thought that he was better than that. And in the last 10 races, I would have thought that he would have finished more than one time in the top 10. So he kind of falls in the Elliott camp, just kind of bad luck. So the reason why I like this matchup is because in the clash on Sunday, Joey Logano made a move trying to block and he ended up wrecking a bunch of people. He took out Kyle Busch, but it wasn't just Kyle. It was Kozlowski and a bunch of other people as well. And right after the race, or Kozlowski's race was over, they had a microphone in his face, and he really went off, which is rare to see someone going off about their teammates, unless you're talking about Kyle Busch, because he's a crybaby. But we're talking Brad Kozlowski really calling out Joey Logano in a way that I've never seen before. And... So to me, that was very interesting because, you know, what are they going to be talking about as the week goes on in these team meetings? Are they going to be mad at each other? Is he going to try to do something on the racetrack, which was really making me think, well, maybe I should go with Brad here. But then level heads would probably prevail. Coming about the stats, I'm thinking, you know what, I got to go with Logano on this one just based on track history and the fact that the Penske crews will probably nip this in the bud in the meetings this week and this won't be a thing come race day. But on Sunday, I was really saying, wow, I, I might go with Brad in a matchup like this. But my official pick right now is going to be Logano. I think they'll clean up their mess, and Logano will do what he's used to doing at Daytona, which is having a good finish, whereas Kozlowski, probably not. My next matchup is another matchup of teammates, and we're going to go with William Byron, who's going off at minus 115, versus Alex Bowman, who's going there off at minus 115. So Bowman has some slightly better stats. His average finish is 16.6 compared to 19 to Bowman. But the thing about it is these guys have a very small sample size. They've only been here a few times, like four or five times total. Uh, so I think this is a case where both guys driving for Hendrick Motorsports, they both need to step up. This is a huge season for both Bowman in the 88 and Byron in the 24. Bowman a little bit older, um, you know, driving the 88 for a little bit longer than the, the 
24 has been in the hands of William Byron. Just kind of seems like he should be further along at this point. But you could kind of say the same thing about Byron. I mean, I would suspect that they've got some pressure on them. Even though the media is really not putting it on them, I would say internally they're saying, hey, look, we got to get up and go here. Bowman goes out, does his thing again, and lands on the front row. He's been there before uh, on poll day on Sunday. But like I said, second means nothing, especially when we're talking about Alex Bowman. He has not parlayed that into anything meaningful at the 500. So I think I'm going to go with Byron here. Last year, Byron was just the devil to me. Every time I, I picked against him, he did well. Every time I picked for him, he did horrible. So I'm going to start off the season fresh slate. Um, I think there was something to be said if we want to get a little, you know, in the weeds here. Towards the end of last season, William Byron actually started dating Ryan Blaney's sister behind his back. And now that that's out in the open, maybe some pressure's off the, the young man, you know? He's, he's going to the driver meetings, not looking over his shoulder, not worrying about when that news might break. So he's coming in the 500, new season, fresh start. I'm going to go with the 24 car in this matchup because I don't trust, uh, excuse me, I don't trust Bowman starting on the front row. Just doesn't do it for me. So mark me down for the 24. Next matchup, not a battle of teammates, but a battle of rookies. We're talking about Christopher Bell in the 95, who took over that ride for Matt Benedetto taking on Cole Custer, who's taking on the 41 car for the first time. He's taking over for Daniel Suarez, who got ousted from that seat, in my opinion, prematurely. They didn't really let Suarez really have a chance to succeed there for too long. It was really, you have to put up or shut up for him, and he's out. So now they got Cole Custer, who's been in the developmental stages for a while. He's now in the 41 Christopher Bell is coming in with a lot more hype around him. I mean, we've been hearing Christopher Bell's name for a very long time. He was the guy that kind of caused all those rumors that we mentioned earlier about Denny Hamlin being removed from the 11 car in the Gibbs camp because he was in the Gibbs developmental program and everyone was saying, well, they got to find a spot for him. Well, they ended up finding a spot for him in the 95 because they're an affiliate of Gibbs. Levine Family Racing is an affiliate of Joe Gibbs Racing. They, they share, you know, similar notes and parts. So Christopher Bell is going off at minus 134. Cole Custer is going off at plus 100. Now, when I see something like that in these head-to-head matchups, my antennas go up because there's really no rhyme or reason the books should have to place those odds on these guys. A, they've never raced in these cars before. B, it's a track like Daytona that has no real indication on how these guys are going to do a big one could take out one of these guys in the first lap and it could take both of them at the same time then it's just like where who finished higher so my point is chaos could ensue and these rookies could get caught up in it now because of that i'm going to go with cole custer with the better odds plus 100 because why would you take a hit going with minus 134 in this matchup when there's where there's no way to predict really what's going to happen. So I like Cole Custer, plus the fact that I mentioned Bell is in a a satellite team of Gibbs. Cole Custer, he's in the Stuart Haas camp. I mean, he's there. Four cars, he's one of them. And he's learning from the best. Kevin Harvick, he's got uh, Clint Boyer, and Eric Amarola, who's kind of on the fringe there. You know, is he going to stick around for too long? We'll see. Big season for him. 
The point being, he's one of the guys on that team, whereas Bell is kind of looking through the window. So give me Cole Custer, first race for both of them. It'll be interesting to see how the, the young guys do uh, in such a huge race to start the season. The final one that I have is a good one. It's Jimmy Johnson going off at minus 106, taking on our pole sitter, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., going off at minus 125. So he's the favorite in this one. Just such a, a good matchup as far as talking points are concerned because on one side, you've got Jimmy Johnson. He's announced in the offseason that this is going to be his last full season in NASCAR. And how crazy would it be? It'd be very storybook for him to go out and win his last 500 riding in the 48 car. I mean, you know, I wouldn't put it past them. If if sports are rigged, we'll see this weekend because if they are, you know, the 48 team will be in victory lane. I mean, it's like Derek Jeter hitting a home run on his 3,000th hit, like something like that. You know what I mean? This is uh, something that would be very crazy, and, and NASCAR would love it. Fans would love it. I, you know, even if you hate Johnson, it'd be cool to see something like that happen. And the Hendrick camp, the Chevy camp in general, but more so Hendrick camp, has a lot of pressure on them to succeed early in this year before some of these other guys kind of figure out the new aero package. So Daytona is a perfect spot for somebody like Jimmy Johnson to kind of get his groove back, and you know we'll see if he can do that. We're taking on Stenhouse, and Stenhouse obviously on the pole. He had a good run. And he does well at super speedways. I mean, every single super speedway that Ricky Stanhouse shows up to, he has a chance to win that race. His only wins in NASCAR were on the big tracks. So he's one of the guys here. Now, he's moving over to a new team. He's driving the 47, and that's with JTG Doherty Racing. So he was with uh, Roush Fenway for such a long time, and, and they got him out of the 17 car, kind of randomly in my opinion. And he essentially swapped rides with Chris Buescher. We talked a little bit about it towards the end of last season. And he goes out, puts the car on the pole, a lot of hype around him. But I think I'm going to go with Jimmy Johnson in this matchup because, A, he's the underdog. I already established I like the underdogs in these head-to-heads just for the money aspect of it. But, two, goes out, wins the pole, might be leading, reading his press clippings a little bit here. You know, it kind of uh, he has to do the media tour. They're sending him to New York. He's on all the shows, the, the late night shows, the, the news shows. He's got to do the tour. And that's going to distract him, I think. Meanwhile, Johnson, he's down in Daytona. He's taking the kids to Disney World. He's laying low, resting, doing everything that he needs to do. Um, I say resting, but he ran the, the half marathon on Sunday morning. Um, he's just a crazy son of a bitch. But point being... A lot of distractions for Stenhouse for someone who may not be mentally prepared to handle such distractions. He's never really been in that spot before. I'm going to take Johnson in this one. It just uh, makes more sense to me that Johnson would come out and perform well here in the 500 compared to Stenhouse in this scenario. So to recap, I'm going with Logano, minus 115, Byron, minus 115, Cole Custer, plus 100, and Jimmy Johnson minus 106. Those are the, the four matchups that I like. If you put those in a parlay, that's going to give you a plus 1294 number. So nice little uh, nice little package there if you want to loop them up. Now, my hand is up. It is super hard to win a parlay in NASCAR. I've been trying for it for a while. It's extremely rare to have all of your cars hit, especially at a track like this. So 
Uh, just beware, you know, if you are going to package them up, be aware that that's going to be a very tough, tough thing to have happen, but makes it all more fun. So those are the, the head-to-head picks that I like this week at Daytona. We're going to be here all day, baby. I like this kind of party. I want to round out the picks portion of this podcast, talking about some prop bets. Now, I, I want to temper my expectations here, but I'm super excited because I'm seeing a lot of prop bets on the sports book that I use, the app that I use, for the Daytona 500. Now, I'm not sure if they're just doing it because they're treating it kind of like the Super Bowl, how you get like a lot of extra props, or if they're finally planning on implementing some of this stuff each week. Either way, I'm thrilled this week to be able to talk about some props. First, I want to talk about a couple things that we know are going to be there every week, and that's some top 10 finishes. I want to call out a couple guys who I think if you see them with some good odds to finish in the top 10, you need to jump on them. One is Bubba Wallace. He's got great stats. He finished second here, I believe, in 2018 behind Austin Dillon. He's someone who you know, lives and dies for this race. That's a Richard Petty Motorsports team that they're, they're desperate for a good finish. And a top 10 to start the season for them would be monumental. So he's got a lot of eggs in this basket. The 43 car is one to watch. So if you have that opportunity to take him in the top 10, go for it. Kurt Busch, he's someone who, you know, you may want to take to win the race. I mean, he, he won a few years back. He can get the job done. And I'm not seeing him very high up on the you know list for the odds to win the race. So you may be able to get him just to finish in the top 10 at a good value. So keep your eyes peeled for him. On top of that, CBS Sports has a simulator that they use last year to predict you know the final standings in each race of the year. And that simulator did pretty well. And the reason I bring that up is because it chose Kurt Busch to win the race this weekend at Daytona. So that's one reason to maybe jump on the one team and uh, like I said, if you don't want him to win the race, definitely take him to finish in the top 10. The last guy I would say is Ty Dillon. Just like his brother, he does really well at Daytona. The 13 car, they just chug along every year riding that Geico sponsorship. He loves the 500. He loves Daytona. Did well here in the uh, July race last year. The speed, super speedways just treat him well. So keep your eyes peeled on the number that you'll see for him to finish in the top 10 because I would jump on that as well. But let's start talking about some of the prop bets that are available that I haven't really seen before in the races in 2019. So for starters, they're giving us some options that I used to see on my illegal sports book, but now it's finally uh, available right now in uh, DraftKings Sportsbook where it gives you a group of drivers and you have to choose who's going to finish highest out of all of those guys. So, for example, the top group, Kyle Busch, Denny Hamlin, Joey Logano, and Chase Elliott. You're getting good numbers here. They're all going off at plus 240. So you're choosing one guy to beat three other guys. Uh, Very good values here. And I'm not going to go through all of the groups, but you got group A all the way down to group F. So a lot of groups. So like I said, if you want to spread your money out this weekend, there are options to do that because, like, for example, I, I love Group E. These are guys that you don't typically throw some money down on, but in this case, I might do that. Matt DiBenedetto, Christopher Bell, Cole Custer, and Tyler Reddick. These are great names that, you know, we don't really get a chance to, to play with very often. And in this case, I'm all over that. So definitely take a look at the, the finishing group prop. Then we've got a, a cool prop has to do with the car number of the winning car. So... First, you can choose odd or even. 
pretty simple. I mean, it's like a coin flip in the NFL, in the Super Bowl, you know. Um, but there is some more thought that goes into it because you want to start thinking about the, the cars who are, you know, odd or even. Even is going off at minus 200. I think that makes sense. You know, there are better drivers driving even-numbered cars than there are odd. Odds going off at plus 150. So, hey, maybe take a, a jump on the odd cars and, and cheer for people like Hamlin and Dylan and uh, Martin Truex Jr. Those guys could get it done for you. Then, this is a really interesting one that I will probably hold off on actually betting until race day. I'll, I'll get myself a little uh, drunk and, you know, really throw something in on a fly here. But this is the car number of the winning race over or under 17 and a half. Very cool bet. Uh, over is actually the favorite here, minus 125, and then under minus 106 right now. So I think I like the under in this one. I mean, you think about the guys who, if you took the under, who are the guys that are going to beat you? It'd be Kyle Busch. It'd be Truex. Uh, it would have to be like Jimmy Johnson. Like those are the guys who just jump out to me without really thinking about it very hard. But if you're taking the under, you got some of these guys that we talked about. You know, you got the Kurt Busch, you got Austin Dillon, Brad Keselowski, Chase Elliott, if he puts it together, Ryan Blaney, who we didn't really talk about. Um, these are, you know, some guys that could definitely win the race. So very fun bet there. I'm enjoying that one. And I'll, like I said, probably think on that and uh, wait till right before race day or the, the green flag waves to put my money down on that one. Then we always usually get the opportunity to bet on the manufacturer of the winning car, but something that's a little bit more fun is you get to choose this this week the team of the race winner. So Joe Gibbs Racing going off at plus 325. They're the favorites. Uh, Penske at plus 400. Hendrick at 450. Stuart Haas at plus 600. Interesting there. I think they could surprise people. Then the odds jump up to plus 1300 for Chip Ganassi. So it's only two cars compared to all those four-car teams, uh, minus Penske. So Chip Ganaski is is Kyle Larson and Kurt Busch. I mean, those are two guys who, you know, we didn't really talk about Kyle very much. He, he didn't really jump off the page to me when I'm reviewing the stats. But still, I mean, a fun prop bet to look at as you're getting closer to race day. So very happy with these prop bets and definitely something to give it a look. If you don't like... The, the money line bets and the head-to-head -head bets, why not you know fool around with these prop bets? Could be very fun for you. So the last part of each podcast in the past has been a section that I like to call Phil's Fired Up because I usually have something that I want to rant about, and it's most likely gambling-related. I'm in the past, I've been really on a crusade to try to improve gambling on NASCAR as a whole because there's been a lot of gaps that could easily be filled if anyone paid any attention to this whatsoever. Now, in that previous segment where I was talking about the prop bets, if those sort of things can remain the same for each week, then I think you'll get a lot of happy people out there. But there are still some things out there that kind of upset me uh, when the line started to become available here in 2024 this season when we're looking at the futures bets for NASCAR. So you can bet on the championship winner and you can bet on someone to finish in the top three. That's been available for as long as I've been betting on NASCAR and you have those throughout the year. But something that is just an absolute layup to me is the ability to bet on a driver's 
over-under wins for the season. And I thought for sure that this was going to be available to gamblers on every sports book, and it's just not. Fox Bet, I mean, this is a, a platform, a sports book completely connected to the Fox broadcast company. They don't have it at all, and, and they were the ones that I was kind of holding out hope. You know, if these other guys aren't paying any attention to NASCAR, Fox Bet would because they have NASCAR for the first half of the season. But surprisingly, it's their stuff is trailing big time compared to the DraftKings and the FanDuel's of the world. So very upsetting there. If we could get an over-under, it would be fantastic because there's so much that goes into that when you're thinking about it. So, for example, let's take Kyle Busch as our guinea pig, right? He's someone that's going to win a lot of races. So let's set his over-under at, say, four and a half races. So to, to have that hit, if you're going to say over, he's got to get at least five. That gives you any Kyle Busch hater out there. You take the under, and you get to do what you love to do most, and that's cheer against the 18 car each and every week. And it, it makes it so much more fun to have, even if you don't put a bet in, you, maybe you get caught up that weekend and you, you forget to put something in or you're not watching the race that week, you still have a dog in the fight because if you have that future bet of over-under, let's say under, four and a half races won by Kyle Busch and he's up there and, and finishes maybe second or third, you're, you're cheering, you know, yes, that's, that's another check bar, check mark for us. You know, as long as he doesn't win, we're good. And, um, it'll be very interesting. I talk about the, the storylines around it because 2021 is going to be a monster year as far as a big change in NASCAR, because they're going to be debuting a brand new car model car for the whole series. So what will be fun to try to track is how these teams change the way that they're preparing and spending their time in the garage. What I mean by that is, let's take a William Byron, for example. Okay, He starts out pretty well, then they'll probably still invest their time and effort in this season. But if you don't really do that well come July, that team may start to prepare for the 2021 season and get a jump on that. Now, I'm saying this, no team would ever admit that that's the case, but I'm saying this from a gambling perspective, you wouldn't want to be throwing money on a team like that that may have thrown in the towel on this season and just trying to get a jump on everybody else with the huge changes coming next year. So if you have that over-under bet, you, you take that on now, that's, that's you know a lot to think about. But it makes it fun for the fan, makes it fun for the gambler. And what would be even more fun is obviously the odds would be a lot different. You know, for Kyle Busch, four and a half, it's even odds either way. But say you take somebody like a, a Christopher Bell or a Cole Custer or let's say a Matt Tibetadetto. He's perfect, actually. You put his over-under at 0.5. Will he win a race this year? And, and you'd have that for most of the guys. Um, the odds to, to say, no, he won't win a race are probably going to be you know a heavy favorite compared to, to the big underdog to win a race. But hey, you throw a future on Matt DiBenedetto to win a race, and then all of a sudden he shocks the world later in this year, big payday. You know what I mean? It, it's very fun. So that's a big hole, and that's my rant for this week. Something that 
you know, every other sport has. Baseball, hockey, football, it doesn't matter. They have those options for the teams, and it creates dialogue, too. I mean, sports radio here in Philadelphia, I mean, they're talking about over-under 80-some wins for the Phillies, and they do that for the Eagles, they do it for, for everyone. Sports radio for, for NASCAR would have a, a field day with that type of stuff, breaking down each driver, and does that make sense? Who do you like? Um, it just creates more things to talk about, and, and really, the sport would thrive off of that type of conversation um, leading up to you know the biggest race of the year. So, big thing they're missing out on. That's my rant. Hopefully, they adjust it moving forward. One day, we'll see it, but right now, they're missing it. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Full Tank with Phil, the first one of the 2020 season. It feels great to be back. Hopefully, we can pick up where we left off, cash in our tickets. You go out, you place some of these bets on, some of these long shots. Maybe it's just the head-to-heads that, you know, really hits your fancy, and you go out and you cash these tickets to prepare for a long season ahead. We want to build up our bank account so we can have some fun spreading these bets around in this season. So... Hopefully everyone has a great Daytona 500 this Sunday, and we'll see you next week for Las Vegas.